How's it going, Zach? Hello. We're live. Hello. Hey. We are live. Do you find that when you wake up in the morning doing something difficult, or I mean, you, you run first thing in the morning, do you find that that's like the most important thing? Get those endorphins going, you know, whatever. Like, why do you think that is? Why do you think you have to do it first thing in the morning? Uh, a couple of reasons. One, that, I, that I, that's time that's carved out every single day for me. So that's me time. Uh, two, yeah, I get my head in the game um, and prepare myself for the day ahead. And then three, I am a empty stomach runner. I, uh, I, I do not run, uh, do well running shortly after a meal. So uh, it works. Why do you think marathons are first thing in the morning? Like, why do you think races are first thing in the morning? Just because of a traffic standpoint? Because it's easiest to get that in logistically? Logistically? Yeah, I would say so. But, you know, that was tricky about Boston was the fact that uh, that didn't start until like 10 o'clock. Uh, and I typically run, you know, 6, 6.30. So then uh, doing a starting time at 10 o'clock, whatever, I had to train my, change my training schedule a little do bit. Do you think that's so a Boston thing or do you think that's a um, broadcast thing? I think it's a Boston thing because it's, well, they run it on Patriot. Uh, Patriots Day is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, that Monday, it's yeah, also Monday, the, which is weird, right? Yep, yep. Huh. So, how did you meet John Paris? Well, I think that everybody knows John Paris. I mean, if you're if you are in the startup scene in the Hampton Roads area, it's a, if you haven't met him, it's just a matter of time until you do. So, uh, but that doesn't I, answer I my question. When, when I know, when but I can't. I, I don't. I can't. I don't remember the fir- the very first time. Um, I, I think I'm the same way. I don't remember either. Um, do you remember how you met either of us, John Paris? I remember meeting you, Zach, because I'd heard of you doing this really cool stuff. And it was so unique at the time that I do remember meeting you, but although I can't remember anything specific. And then Tim, Tim, we were we knew each other before SVT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But SVT was sort of when we started really kind of talking about stuff. When you were, right. when they had that, they had this was that room. They had that room up in Williamsburg, and they had this little robot thing running around. And <laughs> I went up and looked at it, and I was like, "What do these guys do?" And uh, look at them now. Yeah. You, you, yeah, I, 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 it, it's safe to say that anybody that's been in the the startup scene in Hampton Roads in in this area, this region. A lot of everything kind of goes back to the hatch days. I mean, that's like kind of where so much started and happened. And I'm sure that I met John at, at some sort of hatch related mm-hmm. event. Hmm. Like a start Norfolk or so, something, something related. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard looking back at those days and being like, okay, it's been 2010, 2011 time frame. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're over a decade. Oh, my goodness. Like, you know that once a year when LinkedIn tells me like this is your anniversary and people are like congratulations I'm like for what like and I'm like I'm just moving around the you know the moving around the world just uh, remembering that so I always think it's interesting to hear try to remember where you met someone um, because it can be a difficult thing even going through back through like emails and stuff it's it's like that are you are you a good networker me yeah I don't know. I mean, I'm complicated. I'm like, people are, <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm an ENTJ, whatever that means, but I'm still kind of like introverted. But if I get in a crowd, I'm okay. 
So am I a networker? I'm not an organized networker. Like I don't like keep it CRM. And I met Zach at 410 <laughs> and we're going to get together again next week at 530. I know people like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more like, hey, there's Tim Ryan. What's happening? But yeah. you're well connected. So how do you, you you just go with the flow and hope that it figures itself out? And has... go with, yeah, like I'll keep track. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I have to do some marketing occasionally, officially. And like, if I have a client like an SVT, like Tim introduced, you know, I'll work my butt off to make sure I got that stuff straight, you know. But in terms of do I feel like I need to go to an event just to see people? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I don't kill myself on that because there's so many events. Yeah. Um, but when I go, I always have fun, you know. It's hard to get me to go. But once I go there, I'm in, you know, what's happening? Well, in, in the off chance that there's someone watching that doesn't know John Paris, what what, what do you do? Why are you such a a key key person in the ecosystem? I don't, I don't know what I am. Um, what, do I, what do I do? I uh, long ago figured out that I was not gutsy enough to be an entrepreneur probably myself. And so um, helping people, first I had to learn how to do this federal and state securities law stuff. Cause I was always kind of into that making money thing. I figured out that my dad said companies that need money are always going to need a lawyer. And I was like, okay, all right. That makes sense. So when I started in Houston with this firm up down there, this pretty big firm and we did like boom picking stuff and stuff. And I was like the, 15th man on a four-man team and i just started like reading stuff so i could understand how to how to like help people figure out what you do to raise money and not raise money and and what investors might look for when they're thinking about invested money and then that leads to buying companies and then that leads to selling companies and all of that leads to helping companies when they're been funded and they got stuff going on so that's kind of what I do. I kind of like get involved in some place in the stage where they're either raising money or whatever, and then live with them for a long time and become really close, I think, to like my clients for a long time. Be there for them. And then eventually they get sold usually. And that's kind of like, yay, but sad. And and so I just want to keep doing that. And I, I, I yeah. see these folks like, like you, Tim, and what you've done with with start wheel and and then I see you know Zach who created downtown Norfolk as far as I'm concerned in terms of in terms of early stage companies I mean you did and um but I've been since 91 and there was no downtown Norfolk until you showed up in terms of early stage and um I just love that stuff I love going over there and seeing people that are got big visions and helping them and you know and and you know sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but that's what I do. So whether it's public companies, which I used to do a lot of, there aren't as many companies that go public anymore. Um, there were a lot here in Norfolk though for a while. And um, and then, you know, just helping companies that are looking to move ahead and grow. And, you know, I just, I got a bunch of people that helped me here in the firm. We have a great firm that we're very supportive of each other. And I always got help and people seem to be okay. You know, from, yeah. are you from Texas? Not from Cincinnati. Okay, yeah, I, I, probably, I probably knew this. You, I, I, there's no reason why you would. When I, when I went, I went, to, I, I, I went to Charlottesville to play baseball, and then ended up, you know, becoming part of the whole UVA thing, and then hmm. law school. And I knew a lot of people from Texas, 
um, from Houston, in, in fact, who had been in my fraternity, whatever. And uh, so I visited down there and I, there was this great firm called Baker Botts that was really cool. I didn't want to go to New York for some reason. I don't know why. What was I thinking? But but I I, I thought I thought Houston would be cool. They had great big buildings, man. It was like right. awesome. And the Reds came through, Cincinnati fan, right? And guess who was playing basketball down there? A guy named Ralph Sampson. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, a natural thing. So I loved it down there. But my wife's from Norfolk. And you met her at UVA? Pardon me? I did. Uh-huh. I did. She played lacrosse. So I met her like running around one time. And uh, she wouldn't date me for three years because she thought I was a whatever. And then finally, <laughs> finally, I think I wore out. And uh, so we've been married a long time. We have three boys, all of whom are doing great. Um, one of whom lives here in town. Jay, who's with IV Watch, which is a big client for a long time. Oh, yeah. And then I've got a uh, son, Michael, who started – He, Michael and Zach did the computer engineering thing. So um, Michael started at, at uh, Microsoft, and then he went to a company in Y Combinator he had that he kind Scaff- of – Scaffold? Scaffold? Yes. Couldn't, couldn't remember. I, am, I, I still have this sticker. I uh, We uh, we had him at the launch pad uh, do something, and he was passing out stickers, and I still have that sticker. That's right. He came to see you at launch pad. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. So interesting about the kids aspect of it. Like I, I don't have kids. Tim's got two. You've got three. A lot of a, a lot of parents, let's say in this area, talk about wanting to have an environment for their kids to stay here, Absolutely. as a, as a reason to do that. Uh, have we improved upon that. Is that something that you can actually do? Like it's it, obviously I jumped on that bandwagon, and that was. Yeah part of my talking points because it resonated with people, you know, sometimes you're boomerang or sometimes you got to go places and stuff like that. But like, why is that important um, to, to you as a parent? It has this area improved upon that. Just go deeper on that. Well, it's, you know, Zach, it's a good question. Um, and I'll, I'll fast forward. I won't give you the whole life story, but uh, in, in 2014, um, there was a uh, W win who's, you know, the leading business guy in town and has been forever um, with the head the roads community foundation pulled like 15, 20 people. I can't remember to figure out what we could do locally to support what you were doing, Zach, and, and, you know, improve the economy here. And we had a bunch of meetings and we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. and then, and then, but it was pretty clear after a while that, that there was a couple things that the area needed. One was a more organized capital source kind of thing. Cause we didn't have any venture funds here. We had invest, but they were kind of out of it at that point. They were moving on to uh, more of a private equity model. Um, you know, D- Richmond, you had Harvard, which was fab- it's a fabulous venture firm, but they're more healthcare for the, you know, series A, B, C, Northern Virginia, whatever. There was angel groups in, in Richmond and Charlottesville and Raleigh and whatever. And, um, but the whole theme became because there was a guy named David Arias, who Tim knows real well, and Ann Connor and Gary Warren. The theme became, what can we do to bring our kids home and keep them here? And, and when we studied that, we found that maybe the most important, most important thing was probably capital. That led to 757 Angels. Another thing was organization of things. And Zach, you were keeping a calendar then. And then Start Wheel started with Tim and David and, you know, the calendar thing was, I'm sure everybody knew what was going on. That was important. 
Um, but the depth of the question that you just asked, Zach, I think is focused on this. If my son, Michael, who lives in Seattle now and loves to climb mountains and is working for a company called Cloud Kitchen now with whatever, or Zach, who likes to climb mountains and is in Boulder and is working for Google Payments, if I'm going to bring them home or if any family is going to have their children come home here, the thing that we, we knew we kind of had to have was some depth in the companies here. So if they come here and it doesn't work out for some reason, there's a place to go. It's going to be cool street. too, yeah. you know. Not just singles. And, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like in yeah. Seattle, if 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 Michael left Scaffold because Amazon showed up and said, "Yo, love the GraphQL thing, we're going to do it. Would you like to be involved?" You know, Michael's like, "Well, wait a minute. This is my business. You can't steal my business." So you know, he learned something. So he did. Amazon. A ton of options. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's it, Zach. So, you know, do we have more options now? I think so. I mean, like if you go to assembly and see all these companies and stuff, and there's a lot going on, but that's a that's the goal. Because mm -hmm. we want our kids to be here. We want to see our grandkids. We don't, you know, we don't want to take all our vacations to go see our kids. We want to take vacations to go, you know, someplace else, you know? And it's just great having the kids around. Having Zach here, is, I mean, having Jay here is fabulous, but we'd like Zach and, and uh, Michael. Yeah. And for the Tim, viewers, I am know. not the Zach he's talking about. No, yeah, no, yeah. sorry. Different Zach. Different Zach. Different Zach. Yeah, that's all interesting because my daughter's uh, she's going to be a junior at JMU, mm -hmm. and and it wasn't until this week that uh, I realized that, gosh, I'm almost in that same predicament in the sense of yeah, I, the likelihood of her staying here once she graduates college is is very very small, like almost zero. Well, especially so, because of what she wants to do. Yeah, because uh, there's not that here. That's right. right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, now I, I'm I'm the what next wave. Do, Tim? Tim, what does she want to do? Um, she went sports marketing and communication. Uh, so she really, really enjoys that. She's been working with uh, the Norfolk Tides for a couple of years uh, okay. doing doing that kind of thing, uh, working for uh, Lions Bridge, the soccer club up here in Newport News. So, yeah, she wants to do something, hopefully in a NHL. Um, oh, she's a hockey they, fan. Yeah. Um, but. If she had the opportunity to do something, uh, but she, she really, really has taken a liking to baseball. Um, so, yeah, she would love to do something for the Caps or the Nationals or something like that. But, um, but we, I think that all of us have been saying for years. I mean, it's just the lack of a, a professional sports team is, yeah. has been. Uh, we we need something to really anchor us here, and and get behind. I mean, if you look at the list of those things, obviously, I, I've said this many times, I'm throwing my hat in to be the the play-by-play, -play, the sportscaster, the arena announcer, if it ever happens, I want, I want to be that person. Um, so I 100% want that to happen. It's I, To me, it's probably the worst quality of living here is not having a professional sports team. But is, is there, if you look at like these, you know, the next 10, 15 places to get a professional team, we're, our area is typically not even on those lists unless it's someone who's really trying to get us on that map, but we're really not on those lists. I mean, you see Vegas has done it. I mean, Vegas makes a ton of sense. You know, they have gotten what three now major um, professional sports in there in the last 10 years doing some big things. I mean, do you ever realistically see that happening, John? I mean, I know weren't, weren't you having conversations with the Kings like 10 years ago to try and woo them here? Like, yeah, well, it, it just seems like it's not never going to happen. And that's, that's a sad reality or thing to think about. But you know, it's when I moved here, that was the biggest problem because I grew up in Cincinnati and then I was in Houston and, you know, I'm used to going to games, you know, 
Yeah. And um, I remember in Tony Mercurio. Remember Tony Mercurio? He was like a sports talk. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was always talking about it. So there's been a there's been a few efforts. There was a first effort when I was at Kaufman working with Vince. There was an effort to um, bring a hockey team. And and um, and we even went to uh, Richmond, and the only time I've ever been in front of the General Assembly was putting together a a, a, a a tax plan that said that if a hockey team or a profess, professional football team comes to Norfolk or whatever, and there's a lot of new tax revenues created, that money can be used to build the arena. And and that was sort of new then. Baltimore was doing it. We learned from a consultant, and we got that approved. But then the the hockey team chose to go to Raleigh. Um, then three years later, you might remember the, 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 the Hornets were, um, which is now the team, in, it's a different Hornets now, but the first Hornets, which is in, Rock, I'm sorry, New Orleans, uh, they were going to come here. George Shim was going to come here. And it's interesting how the things developed there. The first time people tried to get the Norfolk and Virginia Beach and Chesapeake and Suffolk and all these different cities to work together to fund an arena, that didn't go so well for reasons that are maybe historic. And then the second time, Norfolk chose to kind of do it on their own. And that was probably a better plan. But then uh, they decided to go to New Orleans. And then, as you say, Zach, you, you recall, um, well, there's another one. There's the baseball thing. The Nationals, there was a chance they would come here in like 2004. Oh, when they were the Expos moving from Montreal? Yeah. 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 And there's a guy, I don't know if you know uh, Will Summerduck. He's got a great company called Regulus, which is is doing really well. And, and Will was working at Merrill Lynch. And it turned out that I think what happened there was, was the owner of the Orioles didn't want the Expos to go to Washington. And so he got behind with a local businessman, a great man named Al Abiunas, got behind maybe having a Norfolk baseball team here to kind of freak out Washington a little bit. He ended up getting what he wanted because he got his TV contract up there. So we thought we had a baseball team. And then there was the Kings thing. We were working with uh, the big developers at the beach, um, Bruce Thompson and, and, and Johnny Lawson about building an arena in, at the beach down where the convention center is. And, um, and then that was moving and the Kings were real. But then another group came in and, and said they would build the arena without using city money. And that kind of killed it because the city was mm. like, well, freeze better. Um, and then that didn't go anywhere. So there's been efforts, you know, and what I, I will say this, just say out loud for people in Norfolk, Norfolk that haven't ever seen this. The greatest thing to me about a sports team in a city is, is rooting for the team and all that. But the coolest thing is like when you go to downtown Cincinnati, everybody's got a Reds hat on. Everybody has a Bengals hat on. So whether the kid is eight feet tall or four feet tall or green or black or yellow or, or whatever, yo, Ellie De La Cruz, man, how cool is that? And the kids are all, everybody's high-fiving each other. The whole city's together behind something. And yep. that'd be nice. That would be really nice. So so real quick, just to piggyback off of that, uh, one, of the, one of the biggest lacking things as well, this isn't just going to be like a pity party for this area, by the way, but, but <laughs> I, I think if you look at some um, – some aspects of this you, you can grow from it. We, I think we lack or have historically lacked cheerleaders. And when good, like we cheerlead other places very well. Oh, I really want to go there. I want to go there. But when 
locally people are doing a good job of embracing and championing and and cheerleading this area i think we poo poo on it uh, uh, as an area um i think you could i think you can make the argument that people crap on pharrell which i think is ridiculous yeah um yeah. i i think I mean, he's got to be the biggest cheerleader, right? And it's just like this guy is spending all his his uh, a significant amount of time and money investing in this area, and we're we're going to give him negative reasons. Like this is this is not just like I um, I, I just think that if as we look at other areas and we are like, oh, really want to go there, really want to go to that place, whatever. It's like, well, what are we doing to champion? and cheerlead the things that are also here and the people that are pushing those things. And, and, and I think maybe people don't recognize that, but I, I think that's a big flaw. And um, I think if we can improve that even just a little, that yeah. can make some, 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 some big strides. And I, I love the aspect of the shirts and stuff like you were saying, like you see that and I, that's cheerleading. Imagine just that, like no one's just going to walk around with a Norfolk shirt right now, but if there was a Norfolk, you know, insert whatever, you know, for some sort of professional sports team, that's that's marketing right there. And that's pretty much free marketing if you think about it. Yeah, that's one thing I appreciate about, I appreciate about you, John, is uh, you are a lover of this area and a, and a big, big cheerleader for those uh, that are that are making a difference. Well, you know, there's, we've done little things. Um, I didn't like that when I moved here that everybody was so down on things. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't get it. And then I started to learn a little bit about why the cities have to be in competition because they're not within a bigger county and all these different things. Um, but there are so many things that have happened here that have been really cool. One of the things that I'm, I'm glad I got involved with is this thing called the Hampton Roads Business Hall of Fame. Um, it was because I, I people kept saying there's like, we suck or whatever. And I was like, well, we don't suck. There's a lot of incredibly good people that have done a lot of incredible things here in this town, starting with Mr. Batten. Before that, I'm sure it was like John Paul Jones, but I mean, like, and like since like the last hundred years, what Landmark did, and then that led to a trader and all these different things, and then, and then you have these companies like the Family Channel that were here and Jackson Hewitt and um, all these other companies, all these people that have done all these things. So we started this thing. We got a woman named Shannon Kane, who's you know city councilman in Virginia, Virginia Beach. She ran yeah. the uh, Hall of Fame. She actually that's not fair. She ran Junior, junior Achievement. And um, they were there were Hall of Fames elsewhere. And I was thinking, like, we got to have a Hall of Fame here, you know, and I didn't know what that meant. And then I saw the junior chief had had one. So we started one like in 05. And if you look at the list of people that have been who've been selected for it for the last 15 years, 20 years now, um, it's a lot of really important people that did a lot mm -hmm. here in town. And can we cheerlead that more? We should. We absolutely should. And Tim, what you're doing with Innovate Hampton Roads and Zach, what you've done to keep things alive and angels and, and like, you know, there's just a lot happening here that I don't think we yeah. get enough credit for. I agree. One of the things that stands out for me that I, uh, that is exciting is uh, we've been all doing this long enough where like back in the day, Xtuple was like the new company. And so now that they're starting to see some exits and if yeah. we can start that reinvestment, uh, one recognizing exits, reinvesting from those exits and then just continuing to build that momentum and that snowball effect, you know, that's, that's where it all starts. So it's really interesting to see like that next chapter of uh, the next wave, if you will. I think we should celebrate those those wins, 100%. right? I feel like I remember 2012, 2014 timeframe, there was two acquisitions 
I believe it was Smithfield Foods and Amerigroup in that year mm -hmm. I, I, of mm -hmm. some form. And You're I remember right. that the, the narrative around that was very negative. And I just remember thinking, because I was still pretty early on in that world. And I just remember being like, well, if I would have started those companies and 15 years later, I would have sold them for over a billion dollars. That seems like a pretty damn positive story to tell from an entrepreneurial perspective. It is. Why, why are we being negative about this? Like, it's like, but people are like, oh, jobs, whatever. Yeah, but they'll start new companies. There's a cycle effect. And um, I don't know, it just, seemed, it just seemed like it's like, these are positive things. Like now there's more money in the area that like, I mean, Dollar Tree, what they've done, whether it's Dollar Tree, Dollar General, whatever it is, like they've done some really incredible things. Uh, it, 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 I, I think one of the reasons, and, and it goes back to sort of the way things, it's all Jefferson's fault. Okay, not you. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so this idea that we started in the, in like 1780 or whatever, that, that, that Virginia, people don't know this, they don't know this. Virginia is the only state in the country the only state, 50, that has cities or counties. It's the only state in the country where there aren't cities within bigger counties. And in the other 49 states, like where I grew up in Cincinnati, you had Cincinnati. But there was also, I grew up in Forest Park, and then we moved to Montgomery, all these little cities. And they were within a big thing called Hamilton County. So if a business came to Montgomery or it came to Forest Park or came to downtown Cincinnati, the tax base benefited the entire area. Okay. Here it's just set up different. There are no, like Norfolk is not within a County. Virginia beach is not within a County. Now there are counties. Isla white is a County Fairfax. Who's got it figured out. Fairfax is the smartest one around here because they made it one big County and they didn't make it a bunch of little cities. And because of that, they have a lot of tax base up there. But I think that causes these frictions that you see in terms of, in terms of um, regionalism. So you've got a person who works for the economic development group in Chesapeake and a person who works for economic development in, let's say, Norfolk. And I'm not picking on anybody's people's names or anything. But they are motivated to help, in the case of the Chesapeake guy, a business come to Chesapeake. And they're motivated, in the case of the Norfolk guy, to bring them come to Norfolk. Now, there's still going to be people who live in, like, Suffolk and drive to work and stuff. But, but because they're... They're, they're in competition with each other and we're so close to each other. It's like there's like little petty things going on. So if we sell Amerigroup, well, that's a Virginia Beach based company, you know, and then you sell um, like we sold like, you know, like the family channel. We sold the family channel to Saban, big money. Well, that's, you know, that's that's a Christian thing and that's a Virginia, you know, Virginia Beach thing. And and then Norfolk Southern, well, that's a Norfolk thing. And it's just not, it, it, I think that's one of the problems is that people don't have any group think, you know, the group think it, it's getting so much better though. I'll tell you what yep. changed things was go Virginia. Go Virginia is the first thing that I've seen that really brought things together. And I think that is a huge thing. So is it better now, Zach, than it was 15 years ago? It's a lot better now. Um, go Virginia has brought cities together. Go Virginia is, is, is helped with angels. It helped with collab It helped with, 757 Accelerate, it's helping indirectly with Innovate Hampton Roads, the old start wheel. Um, but could it be better? Sure. Sure. Yeah. With, uh, I want to shift gears just in the sense of uh, you, you're, you help companies. You've seen a lot. You probably have seen it all. 
way more than what Zach and I have. What, what's the number one, uh, the, the, the biggest misstep that a company will make when they uh, show up at your door? Like, uh... Let me take it back one step. The most important thing to me, like with, like with Angels and all these other people, we have, I'll just go to Angels for a second. We have Monique, who's unbelievably good at analyzing companies. She's the best. And you got a guy, Dave Levin, who understands the medical stuff. And then we've got Rish, who understands business. And we've got, um, we've got Andy Locke, who was at Monarch. We have all these, Andrea McClellan, all these people that are really good analysts of businesses. Okay. I'm a person guy. I'm the guy that cares about two things. My thing is, who is this person? Who is A.K. Schultz? Who is this person? Are they going to be somebody that's going to be able to sell? Are they somebody who knows they don't know everything? Are they somebody who's willing to learn and get better or not? And then I want to know about their customers. You know, who are your customers? Who are, is going to buy this stuff? I don't care about your revenue model yet. Just tell me who the customers are. And that's what that's where I that's kind of my gig. Like I look around my desk here. I gravitate towards not the Lee Iacocca types. I mean, AK is not like that. Um, pick another company. Uh, Embody just sold. Jeff Conroy is not like that. Even Amal Hoffler, eh, you know, Dan's like that. But I mean, like the people that are just Gary Warren, people that are just thoughtful and smart and credible. That's where I start, Zach. I start with that. Tim, that's what I go with. Like if I believe in this person, Things are going to change. I'll give you an example. Realist company that's uh, in mm -hmm. assembly now. You got you got Sean and Katie, and they're trying to do something really cool. Well, they've already started making some changes because they know there's certain things that that, that require a, a, a new look at things. If if you think you have it all figured out at first, you're wrong. So, do we have a lot of people like that in this town? I think we do, and I think people like you guys. Are educating those people so that they can get better. But I don't think if you don't have a person who's willing to be thoughtful and humble and admit that there's things they don't know, I don't think that I don't see those guys doing very well. Women, yeah. men, whoever. So you need somebody who can be flexible. Tim, the way you've shown flexibility, the way you've grown um, start real. I mean, it didn't start the way it is now. Sure. And look at you, look at what you've done with it. And then, every, you know, the Start Peninsula, I mean, you've been doing this forever. <laughs> it still exists because you've changed the way you do things, right? Right, right. And maybe for yeah. the better, right? I mean, I, I remember just giving you kudos when I've judged in the past year or whatever, being like, oh, wow, this is a lot smoother than when I did mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just you got to evolve. You got to you, you got to listen to your customers. And, yeah, I, I, I'm the first to admit that I don't I don't know even close to everything, but customers will tell you everything you need to know. When you're talking to those people, John, that you were just talking about, how how important is articulation of what they're saying matter to you? Like, do they, like, do they, do they need to know deep and why? Do they just need to know a little snippet? Like, do they need to be gregarious in that? Like, like where, where do they need to be in the description that you just gave, like how, how concise, clear, articulate do they need to be for you to be like, okay, like they get it. I'll give you an example of one of the guys I think was the best. There's a guy that you probably don't know him. His name is John Fane. He was the CEO of a company called Metro Information Services, a public company here. That guy was not overly gregarious in any way. 
but he knew his business inside and out. He knew his market. He knew he was a staffing company. Okay. This is back in the days when you could, you could have employees and you could have 1099s. Okay. So if you had a hundred, you know, the consultants who were going to go on it staffing, he would keep 60 on the, on the, on the payroll and 40 on the bench. He called it in case he needed them. Can't do that anymore. Cause 1099s are hard to be anymore, but the guy just knew his stuff Zach. So he knew he had spent so much time analyzing his space and analyzing the competitors that he could give a credible answer to any question and he could credibly not answer a question because he didn't know the answer and get back to people without making that awkward. And the people that I think are really good, Gary Warren's like that. You get people who really know what they know and they know what they don't know and they're willing to admit it and learn. Those are the people. Those are the ones. Admitting that, you know, hey, I don't know, I'll get back to you. I, I, I think people need to just like, get over themselves and say that more it's like you, you know yeah. the person will probably respect you a lot more if you're like i really don't know give me a little well, bit it's stupid give the wrong answer <laughs> well right but that's what a lot of times people <laughs> guess on those things and then they look like morons and the yeah. and then the person they lose all trust and it's like how hard is it just to say i i don't know i don't know i'll get back to know. you though I'm, I'll, I'll do some research i'll get back to you i'll call somebody i bet, you, I bet you 70 percent well, let me see of the questions i get asked i bet you 20 percent of the time my answer is i don't know i gotta look them up Drone up, for example, that company, they came in FAA rules. I don't know. What's the FAA? Well, especially, especially here, right? Yeah. I mean, because there's like no airways that you can fly yeah. those damn things here. I couldn't spell FAA. I didn't right. understand it, you know? So like, what do you know about the, I don't know, you know, beyond visual line of sight. I don't know. You know well, I, talk you know, about a company that changed a lot, though. I mean, what they originally were doing was, you know, basically uh, aerials of, of disaster sites. Mm-hmm. And yeah, clearly there was no... They adjusted, they adjusted, Zach. They figured out that there was a zillion companies. I don't know. I don't spend too much time on this, but they they, they figured out that there was a zillion companies doing a lot of different things. But what was cool, and COVID helped them a little bit, was the ability to deliver things like COVID kits and do it safely. And these guys, Walker is a beast. He knows how to do this stuff. He's like, he he can deal. He was military. He was in military intelligence. He and the FAA people were like this. I mean, he always told him what he could do, what he couldn't do. So he was getting waivers to deliver COVID kits and flying longer than a, a line of sight, which is sort of the rule. And then and then Coca-Cola heard about him. So he was hired to bring, this is great. The uh, Coca-Cola wanted, has made a new product. I haven't seen it yet. It's like Coke and coffee in one thing, you know? And, and, and they wanted to announce this new product. And the way they announced it is they had, they had drone up deliver six packs of this thing to the 400 people who live in coffee county georgia so coffee and then and then that got the attention of walmart so it's like it's like you know they they adjusted tim to your point yeah They they figured out delivery is probably the most efficient perhaps most profitable thing to do in the drone space and so they did. They, they they moved away a little bit, you know. Yeah, that last mile stuff is real tough. It is. Yeah, it is. That's really the, yeah, which just seems so silly, but I, that's the tough part. Like, oh yeah, it's easy to get to the warehouse. It's tough to get get it to the next stop. So. It is. I mean, it, you know, and so we got they got the ESG thing, right? Like, how many times do you see Walmart? I'm sorry, 
but my son used to work at Amazon. I love Amazon. But you know, Amazon come down your street, you know, back. They're and there right now. You know, and like you know, spewing whatever it is to come out of the little <laughs> thing in the back, and you know, and like it's like, these drones are going to be really cool. I, I haven't really seen one yet. It's good. I've seen drones, but I haven't seen one in my neighborhood. That's going to be a shocker. That's going to be sort of a shocker for right. people. I think you mentioned at first. But uh, that'll be good marketing for them then, because it'll be a bunch of people that'll be like, what's this drone delivering this? Because people will start to view that and they'll they'll videotape it. And then everyone yeah. will be like, what in the heck is this? And then well, that'll be a nice little marketing for them. Who is it now? Is it uh, Red Bull that they're doing uh, marketing they've stuff? Done some, with? They've done some Red Bull stuff. What they're really doing now, just to bore you from tears, is they really, they, they've come across this idea. It's, it's an old W Wynn thing, a Frank Batten thing. Owen Griffin, all these guys from Landmark who learned that that the, maybe the best way to launch a product is to try a market or two first and really beta test it, if you will. I don't know if that's the right phrase. And they're beta testing, if you will, Dallas and Orlando right now. So there's a number of Walmarts in Dallas that, that are flying, that we're flying things for. And then there's some in Orlando and they're waiting to see, you know, how does that work? Um, but, you know, you got people... They buy stuff online. It gets there in 25 minutes. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is incredible. The um, the convenience factor. They, they, they just Let's just call it the convenience industry and how large that is. I mean, I've told Tim this on a number of occasions. Um, I'm not a fan of this, but I give in to the battle and I do it. But like the DoorDash is the Grubhubs of the world yep. that are basically yep. doubling your price for something and the food is cold and usually screwed up in some sort of way. And it's just like sideways. Yeah. And it's, there's always something missing, like always something missing. And it's just like, but you know, that convenience factor, I guess is what you're willing to pay, you know? So your $50 meal is now a hundred dollars and it's, they're doing it all day. Cause you see the people driving. I mean, I saw someone across the street from me uh, two days ago, you know, just got like one thing delivered from the store. And I'm just like, there's a store like a mile down the street. You can't just get out and like get an apple. Like, it's- well, you know, it's funny. I don't know what it is now, but when they first started delivering in Arkansas, because Ar- you can imagine we started in Arkansas, right? Right. So uh, there were three locations there. So after like two months, I finally asked Walker. I said, "So we're actually we're actually delivering stuff?" He's like, "Yeah." I go, so like, what are we delivering? He goes, "He goes, well, guess what? The number one thing is we've delivered so yeah, far." This is fascinating. I said, "Hmm." Wait, was, wait, was it wait. like, was it like medicine? Was it medicine? Was it like pills? No, no. Alcohol? Um, That's too heavy. Hamburger paper? helper. Hamburger helper. Really? So, so. Hamburger helper. Yeah, yeah. like at four o'clock in the afternoon. People don't have food, but they have meat. They're going to feed the kids hmm. and they don't have any hamburger helper to feed the kids. So that was the number one thing. So 23 minutes later. <laughs> so a dollar fifty box. Yeah. Yeah. And then ten dollars for delivery. No, well, yeah. actually, del- delivery is only a couple bucks. What three ninety five? Something we're like that. Testing it now. Part of the beta test. Testing it three ninety nine now. Three ninety nine. But we'll see how that. Do you think that gets ties into? Well, the great thing is you don't have to tip a drone. Plus. You know, so. Uh, oh my god, the tipping and the tipping world yeah. has gotten way out of hand too. I mean, it's yeah, no, when did twenty percent become a bad tip? Like that's the minimum tip now, and like people oh, no. who just yeah. like hand you food like expect that, and like yeah. I. I know they get a decent wage because it's, I don't know. It's, it's, 
Yeah. One of the funniest just, all memes. All they do is flip over the damn thing. And that's say, what I was just going to say. One of the funniest no. memes right now. When you see that iPad at the counter, you know you're getting baited for a tip. And they, you know, they've done nothing. But uh, so, like the, those that I know that actually have done something, I will typically give something. <laughs> yeah. But like when I worked, um, I worked at Domino's for five years uh, back when I was like 15 to, you know, getting out of high school type of thing. Mm-hmm. And when someone tipped, the dominoes, not the drivers, but the inside people's so like I was like a pizza maker type of thing. That tip did not go to the staff. It went to the manager. Uh. So who knows who's actually getting some of these tips too. So like sometimes yeah. like if I'm like, okay, I want to tip this person. I'll legit like ask who gets this tip. Because and if they're not getting about, the tip. Let me ask you about this because this is actually an interesting topic. I asked one of my friends who's a money manager and I asked him, what do you tip when you go like to a place and the, you know, the, the person walks in back and brings the box and gives it. like, what do you tip? And you know, they, they flip the thing and it's like 15, <laughs> 20, 25 or so. What is it about me that makes me so pathetic that I can't just put zero or $5? Why yeah. can't I do that? Why do I have to be liked so much that I'll tip somebody who couldn't give a crap who I am? 15% for nothing. I was a bartender. My wife was a, was a waitress. We worked our ass off to get yeah. that 10, 15%, Same. you know? Yep. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. And that was 15%. That's when 15% was a good tip, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. cause I was, I was a waiter, a bartender, you know, in, in college and, and you get 15, you're all night. You're doing pretty good. You get you know, a hundred bucks a night. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, Those were that. the day. Like I never want to go back to that world. But it, it was interesting, you know, walking out, you know, you're a college kid, you got 100, 150 bucks on a good night. And for a couple hours, you know, you're thinking, you're like, damn, like, those were the days. <laughs> and then you go spend it all at the next you bar. Beer money for the uh, next night. Yeah. Or, or we're not trying to hurt any of the people in all these restaurants that take care of the food. Let's be clear. We're just commenting conceptually. That's right. That's right. Oh, there's the legal advice. I don't want somebody like, you know, stick some poison in my, in my burger or something. No. I, well, I think yeah. that based on your question, John, though, that like that's part of my thought process is, is it, you know, did I receive whatever first? Is there a chance that they could uh, sprinkle a little something, something in it? You know, it just. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember this is, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm going to tell you this. When I was like 15, I worked with Mr. Walsh. He owned a, Burger King. So all the kids, uh, we were freshmen in high school. We all worked at Burger King and I hated it. Like the fries were terrible, but there was a, they just started that, the have it your way crap. So this one guy would come in every day and he wanted like 85 pieces of, of he, went, he took forever to give us the order. And the big thing was like onions or whatever. So the big day we had, this is a big day for us. We gave him a burger with all his crap, but we didn't put the butt, we didn't put the hamburger in it. And then we watched him go in the, in the kitchen to see what he would do. <laughs> He, he ain't halfway through and he finally figured out he didn't have any meat in there. But I mean, like we were doing stuff like that. So who knows? I don't know. Right. Right. You know, what's interesting about that? Just a <laughs> side note about that. Yeah. I, I'm no longer a vegetarian, but for two years I, I did not eat meat. And I remember uh, sometimes I'd eat like the beyond meat impossible burgers, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But because you were putting a, uh, so much other crap on top of it or around it, like you really couldn't tell. And so people are like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I, I just can't, I can't tell. Like it's, there's just like the, your guy who, who ate half his cheeseburger and didn't realize there was no <laughs> burger in there. Like sometimes you just don't recognize that nothing's happening. Like, and you're good. One of the things, uh, 
you're like one of the, the you are a co-founder of 757 Angels, correct? At the beginning of the show, you said you didn't, you weren't a risk taker. You were, you, you didn't want to risk starting your own business, but not gutsy enough is his words. Not gutsy enough, yeah. but you're the guy behind 757 Angels. Walk us through that. Was that, uh, cause that, that's, gutsy. you guys have done some was, really successful was, things. That's, that's, you know, it's, it's kind of you to ask because we're proud of it. Um, when it started, we, the group decided, I'll tell you that we had a meeting with the, of that community foundation group. And we had like 15 things we were going to work on. And we finally said, let's just stop talking about whether it's mentorship or whatever. Let's vote on what the most important thing is. And the thing that came up, everybody but one person put capital. So Paul Hirschbiel and I, and Hirschbiel had been very involved with this. He led this group. He was our leader. And I freaking love this man. He is unbelievably wonderful. He should be in the Hall of Fame list of all things in town here. And, um, and so he had done invest and he invested in Dell in 1985. So, I mean, this guy knew his crap. And we said, well, why don't we try to do an angel group? We probably can't do a fund. There had been an attempt to do a fund. And we said, well, let's, let's try an angel group. And I had one big advantage in that I dealt with a lot of angel groups trying to get my clients funded by them. And I learned that if I go to, I won't pick any cities cause I won't pick on anybody, but if I went to city one, they were really disorganized. I never knew if they were going to like look at my look at my client's stuff. They wouldn't get back to me, and then I we, they'd finally go, and then we wouldn't hear from them for a long time. And and then at most they didn't. They told us they were all working with each other and they'll co-invest and all this stuff, and it just never happened. It never happened in City One, City Two, City Three, City Four, and then the big one was DC. It didn't happen up there either for us because it wasn't like dot com era and all that. But we figured out that the thing that they didn't have, like the people in Charlottesville, I'll pick on Charlottesville. There was a lot of people in town who had a lot of money, but they were not members of the angel group because there was a 20% carry that the group charged people, which is legitimate for a fund and maybe legitimate for an angel group, but the very wealthy people wouldn't join. So that explained why you didn't see a lot of money coming out of there because it was people like me who only had like, you know, $5,000 to invest in something, not a lot of money. And so we said, why don't we do it here? And if we do it here, we know there's some people that do pretty well that like to invest in things. People like Mastraco knew who he introduced to me a long time ago and Van Buren and, and uh, people at Goodman and company. There were some people who knew people and stuff. Um, And I knew some people because we'd sold some businesses, whatever. But we said, why don't we try to set it up so that those people will join? They're not going to have to pay a 20% carried interest because we're going to go see them anyway. I mean, if we they're not going to join a group where they got to pay a fee they don't have to pay. So we set it up to not have a fee. And then we had you know membership dues and stuff. And that worked out pretty good. People stepped up. It became sort of an economy thing. 20 founders brought $5,000 a year in. So all of a sudden now we had some money. Then we, then Hirschbiel did the genius move of bringing in Monique, who I knew from way back as being an incredibly good analyst who had kind of been taking care of her kids. I knew her husband, Scott's a beast. And so she comes in and that was like, wow, that's great. And so the people that had money joined and then we made it very organized. I mean, Monique is so organized. So we, we had, you know, you got to have your application in by this day and we'll let you know by this day. And then the meeting is this day. And, if it doesn't go, you could apply for the next one. So it was very organized. And then good companies started showing up. And the people in town who had said they would support angels did. 
And all of a sudden we had some money. Zach, I remember there was a thing at the, uh, I'll never forget this. I'll, I always tell the story, Zach. The Virginia Marine Science Museum, there was an event and you were the host. Yeah, and, yeah. The family, April, didn't we family feud that or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was with Steve Case. Steve Case and that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it, it was, it was, it was at the end of the first year of Angels. And you had a question. You, I don't know if you're going remember this, but you asked, how much money have people in 757 Angels invested in local companies? And you gave like three choices. There was like, it was like 4 million at the time. 4 million was just, you know, <laughs> it was just freaking crazy, that number. But you said like, you remember you said like 1 million, 4 million, 80 million. And I think the biggest winner was 80 million. And I was like, 80 million, Jesus. You know, people were raising their, oh, 80 million. I was like, well, it's not 80 million. Well, you know, now it's a hundred something million. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of crazy, you know? And so why did it work, Tim? It worked because, because the, the, the members showed up and good companies found us as a reasonable way to potentially efficiently find capital. And it just became sort of magical after a while, you know? So we're real. And then that led to accelerate, which is awesome. 757 accelerate, just awesome. And then Drew shows up with Startup Studios and Assembly. And, you know, it's like things build on each other. Yeah. Start Wheel goes from being sort of whatever, getting started to what it is now. You know, it's like it, it, good things yield other good things, I think. I remember that game show. That was fun. Um, that was fun. <laughs> I, don't, I, should, I, don't, I don't remember. I got to find that slide deck because that was a fun game show. Um and I remember we had the swim nerd clock because uh, he was oh, there yeah, doing yeah, that. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then there was a pitch in there too, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we had people pitch. In fact, yeah. I think IV Watch was one of the pitchers because I sat next to a person who did not like it, I remember, and I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> did you play? You were part of the game, Tim, right? Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. I did something. I don't know. It's like I forget. Yeah, I was part. I was part of something. I can't remember. Yeah, because one of one of the questions you asked, and I kicked myself because it was like, what was the bill that allowed for on-premise drinking at craft breweries? Why I still remember that, I have no idea. It's like SB seven hundred one or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, but that was one of the questions that you had asked. Um. So, as we're talking about angels, I I'm not very privy into any anything over the last year or so, but it's. There's an acquisition. There's a, a new group. There's something like. Yeah. I, let, me, let me explain. Let me explain. Yeah. It's okay. So it's a coincidence. What happened is um, Monique, who's been just killing herself for years, decided she wanted to step back a bit. And, and that meant that there was going to be some change in the group. So the question was, do we stay like we've been doing it um, or do we maybe figure out a way to do something different. And there was a, a, a group that got together and ran into this group out of, uh, it's really the entire Southeast. It's called Venture South. And Venture South has like, I think now 19 other locations. And so the question was, we know we're going to need to find somebody to take over from Monique. Is this something that would be additive to what Angels does? Or is this something that would be, you know, kind of get in the way? And after a lot of work, we decided that Venture South would definitely be additive because our members are going to have the ability to see some deals that they might not otherwise be able to see because there's other markets out there. 
But Venture South was also very practical in their the way they dealt with us because they knew that our group had whatever third biggest in the country or something, and 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 they wanted us to be you know comfortable that the partnership with them would work. So we've set it up, Zach, so that the same three meetings a year is going to be part of this. That will not change. So we're going to continue to have that, and we'll continue to local, show local companies. We hired a guy named Paul Noldy, who I think you all probably know, who's fabulous. Yep. Yeah, I've yeah, known him from NRV, and then and then he was he, he's fabulous. So he's coming in. So he, he really understands deals. So he'll be in charge. And then the Venture South thing is going to have some things that the members can get. In fact, there's a meeting on Monday where they're going to talk about this monthly thing. So it's like, you know, the members going to be able to choose what we're going to do, what I'm going to do. My commitment, my commitment is to keep it going as hard as we can possibly keep it going, keep the three meetings going and keep membership so that the thing continues to support the area. I'm all so, so if I'm hearing this right, Everything that was going on is still there. Now yes. there's just this added bigger layer where there's a bigger network of opportunity yeah. for people to quickly or quickerly. Not yeah. that I can speak English, but 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 can 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 so we can, have a bigger yeah. network of investors that they could tap into. That yes, is the entire one of our companies does really company. well, Zach, and, and they raise money. Well, now, but they need another X X hundred thousand dollars. We can go in and if if chosen, right? You got to get chosen. But then on there's a there's a there's a meeting at, at lunch once a month where where companies are being delivered to all the network. Got so it. we'll see some companies that were considered the best in the network here, and then our best in the network companies will be seen elsewhere too. Hmm. So that whole remember I said way back at the beginning that these angel groups talked about working together, but they never did. This one does. No, again. Got it. Wow. So I'm real happy about it. I mean, I think it's going to be great. And our members have been very supportive. We're going to miss the hell out of Monique. Um, but Paul Nody's going to be great. And uh, Dave Levin ushered us through this this thing. He did a fabulous job. And now Tina um, McRae is taking over as the chairman. And she'll be doing a chairperson. She'll be doing that come this fall. So angels are still angels. Very cool. Well, I, I, I appreciate everything that you, John, just in the sense of, so you're an attorney, you can help people with their capital raise formation, make sure that everything is all squared away there. And uh, you're hire people, do taxes, do go to the bank, all that stuff, you know? But I mean, like the, just the, you know, touch a little bit on the, like, you're just, are you just wired that way to help people? I mean, there's a lot of, he's from Cincinnati, of course, intangible stuff that, yeah, you, yeah, you use John as the attorney because he knows everything and he does it better than everyone else, but you know, everyone, you bring so much more to the table. Are you just wired that way as a person, as uh, the helper? I'll put it this way. It's kind of you to ask, but I'll tell you is this. My father was an unbelievably great football coach. And, and uh, when I was a little kid, my name was Punky because I would always go out there and I got to see my dad leading these teams in Cincinnati. You know, like he, he coached with a guy named um, Jerry Faust at Moeller for a while. And, and so when I was a little kid, I, I, I saw my dad leading people and then he ended up getting into insurance and he was he was a leader there. And my mom, who was brilliant, um, who was in the late 60s and kind of a very liberal person who wanted to. It was before women were working much, and she ended up starting a uh, um, an EMT thing in Hudson, Ohio, which is a suburb of where we used to live. 
And so I, I saw my parents doing this stuff from the beginning. So I, the idea of being a coach of some sort, whether it's my kids in baseball, which I did in basketball, or with clients or with lawyers here, that's what I love. Okay. I'm a ham. I love it. And so, you know, that's just what I do. And I do it because that's my deal. That's awesome. Zach, one thing that you're, you may, you may not be aware of John's, John's got a faster marathon time than I do. Driving. Yeah. Well, no, it was 30 years running. ago. It was 30 years ago, but three or nine, 11, three or nine, 11. And there's a guy in town. This is funny. I hope, I hope Matt hears this. There was, you know, Rick Matt. He's, he's yeah, he's a little bit. He weighs like eight pounds. He so used he, to be on the maritime stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's great. So we ran this thing together. And he, I didn't you know, know him too, Tim. He was working with uh, Quick 180. He was their president. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he was fast. He was fast. He was like 240 fast. And he went out too fast. And we got to the very end. And uh, we're coming to the end and I'm like losing my mind. But it's I wanted to beat 310 because that was the Boston thing. And uh, so I got like 50 seconds left. And I'm just about to cross the finish line. And it turns out Matt, this little prick, he comes out of nowhere and jumps right in front of me. He's seen me. I passed him. I didn't even know because I was in the twilight zone. And he, he was not going to let him. He was not going to let me beat him. And it's just like it's, we had a ball. But that was one marathon. That's it. I'm done. And now I'm really slow. Just to let you know, I'm really slow now. So Three oh nine eleven. That's fast. That is mad respects. Do you think you could? Do you think you'll ever have a PR on that again, Tim? No, man. I, I dude, three twelve twelve. I think that that that's the number that will stand as my my PR for. I I know how fast that is. That is so fast. I was tried to run sevens? one mile, one mile. It's seven oh six, which is the pace. I threw up, and I didn't make it. And <laughs> this is like a month ago. I wanted to see if I could run that fast. No way. Wait, yeah. well, how fast did you run a mile? That day. Yeah, what like seven twelve? Like, just a month it. ago? A month ago? Yeah, but you ran not, a seven twelve a month ago? Yeah, I ran a track. I mean, it was easy. It was flat, easy. <laughs> but I almost threw up. Yeah, that's still up. impressive. That's really yeah, impressive. I, I run like eight and a half, nine minute miles now when I run. <laughs> much no, that's slower. that's. I'm much slower. Wow. Anyway, I, who cares? Nobody cares about that stuff. I but care. I'm like, damn, I don't know that I could run a 712 right now. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, it, is, it is amazing how the number, same number of steps can yield a much slower time. It's crazy. That is, yeah. that is an interesting way to put it. Um, what's something you want to talk about that we haven't talked about? How awesome this Ferbert 4 thing is. I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, Everybody watches it. Everyone, and nobody watches all of them, but most of them watch something. And uh, you two are hilarious. And I, I, I thank you for asking me to do it because I can't. This is the most fun I've had in a while. So just keep doing it. Don't quit. Well, Don't quit. I appreciate it. And that the thing is, is that we really want to make sure that founders in this region have a platform that they can tell their story. So we're going to continue to expand on it and uh, thinking about different ways to bring the founders out so that people can listen to the story, get behind them, get behind the product. And uh, yeah, we're, we have a lot of fun do doing it. it. To your point, believe they can do it. They can do right. it. That's right. There's money here to do it. If you want to do it, there's people to help you here. Do it. If you can do it, 
just stick your just just give it a shot. Go for it. Wow. <laughs> it's a great it's way a to end. Did you learn that from your dad, the great uh would you say he was a football coach? Is that was that his pep talk right there? Yeah, this is pep talk. But dad was funny. I'll I, 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 real quick, I'll tell you this. This is this is actually this is actually, I'll leave you with this. So I've coached with like three different guys over the time. I won't tell you what their names are because this will kind of defeat one of the guys. But we were known as the most no matter how crappy our team was, we were always the most, you know, way to go. That's awesome, you know. So the, the parents one year, they, they came to us. And they said, we want to thank you for how positive you guys are. And, and then we were laughing because because the typical conversation would be like this. The kid would get the bat, strike out on three pitches, and we go, ah, way to go. That was a good effort. Way to go. <laughs> really excited, really excited. And the guy go over to the sidelines, and then we'd be sitting there talking and like whispering, that kid sucks. And he, he sucks. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we kept that under the, under the hood. <laughs> It's good. Anyway. You know, mumbling helps in that. You know, you still say it. I always, um, back in the day, like if something pissed me off, I would write the message, read it, and then delete it. Delete it. Because because yeah. I'd still do it. Get it out. Like, All right. Well, you know, we yeah. did it. We just didn't send it. So, yeah. John, it's been fun catching up. Yeah. Okay. I enjoyed you it, guys. Thank I'll you. I'll see you at a networking event when you decide to show up, and I will decide to show up because I don't go to any of them either. Tim's our networking, our resident networker these days. And, uh, All right. Let's do it, Zach. Let's find one to go to. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks okay. for all you do, John. Appreciate Thank you. Thank y'all. See ya. Appreciate you. Cheers. Thanks for